0: Hello and welcome to U2B. It's the Huddersfield Town podcast that I almost forgot to commit to the name of there but pulled it back at the last second. Uh, I'm Stephen Chicken and I'm joined this week by Ollie Fisher and David Hartrick. Hello to you both.
1: Hello, I'm just going to apologise for my neighbour's carpet fitting next door if you hear it in the background. Is that a euphemism? No, sadly not. No. Yeah, well, the uh, town have very much
2: had the rug pulled out from under them recently, haven't they? We
1: ah, see what
2: you
0: did there. <laughs> see what you did there. Um, yeah, I mean that that's probably as good a segue, a segue as any other. Um, yeah, they have had the rug pulled out from under them. So we had the long trip to Cardiff on Wednesday. Uh, under caretaker manager Mark Hudson and once again another town defeat uh, another late goal gone against them go to you first of all Ollie what did you make of the performance
2: well interestingly this is the first game in three years that I've been able to say that I wasn't actually at Um, I've been to like (laughs) 100 nod in a row and you know we've had our ups and downs in that period but finally it got too much um, and I didn't go on Wednesday night Uh, but I did actually watch it thanks to um, Thanks to the red button facility that Sky have so generously laid on, um, I, I thought it was, I thought it was an interesting game, and I thought it was played in kind of twenty-minute spells um, <clears throat> where the teams kind of alternated, dictating possession um, and, and generally sort of being on top. Um, I think we started the game shaky, but that was perhaps to be expected. Um, we we grew into it a little bit and we, we had our 10 minutes just as we did in that QPR game and just as we have done in the other games so far this season, but without really creating too much. Um, and then Cardiff came came back into it towards the end of the first half. They scored the one goal, but in reality could have had, could have had two or three. Uh, they were very wasteful uh, altogether in the game, to be honest. But um, we came back out second half playing really, really well. We looked a lot more confident on the ball. We looked like um, we had more of a shape. I think Hudson had clearly... Clearly said something at half-time had changed changed up um, the way that he wanted the midfield to operate in particular. And we got ourselves level through what I thought was a bit of a freak goal, really. I saw Cella kind of off-balance, fire that shot towards the bottom corner and I thought he'd hit the side netting at first, um, but I <laughs> yeah. saw it ripple the back of the net. It was one of those
0: where in the press box everyone went, Oh, it's a goal!
2: <laughs> yeah, like Everyone's just like, oh, yeah. right, okay." I think the fans, I think the fans, are, our fans over in the corner were a bit shocked as well to see an actual goal hit the back of the net because <laughs> even Karlan Grants from open Player this season didn't hit the back of the net. Um, had to go to goal line technology, but yeah. Uh, so we got back right into it through that, and then we started pushing forward. And I started to think, you know what? You know, I like what I see here. We're, we're um, we're being intelligent. The press sort of came back. I thought we were putting them under pressure. The home crowd started to get a little bit edgy, a little bit anxious. You started to hear the groans when they gave the ball away. Uh, but then, as as has happened um, three times so far this season, legs went. The legs went, um, and last 10, 15 minutes, they were well on top and. They got what, you know, upon reflection, you look at the match stats, they had 24 shots to hour seven, they had double the shots on target, eight corners to two, however you want to look at it, you know, the stats don't lie. Um, they got what was probably a deserved winner, um, and it's just one of those things, you can look at it as unlucky, because the way that the goal came through Substitute Hoylet, you know, he was given just a couple of yards there to get his shot off, but it deflects... Um, deflects off Elphick's knee and into the top corner in a place where Graubauer is just not going to get to it and when you looks out you looks out those go in they find the back of the net um so it was disappointing obviously to be leaving South Wales with another defeat under our belt and to be now very firmly inside the bottom three you know with two points adrift now um yeah some positives but the the same mistakes and the, the same sort of very crippling lack of execution, um, discipline, and I think above all confidence, kind of, kind of cost us in the end. Um, and we're now just hoping that we we hire Houdini or something to turn the ship <laughs> around because we've got a very damaged group of players. And I think that you know any manager worth their salt is going to be looking at this job now thinking I don't want to go anywhere near that. Um, but yeah, we'll see. Um, obviously, Reading now on Saturday becomes a massive six pointer. So yeah, not not a great evening on Tuesday night again. Uh, Wednesday night, sorry.
0: David, do you think that fitness might be an issue for this team because that's 3 games in a row now that town have conceded a goal in the 80th minute or later.
1: Yes. <laughs> cool. I, I think this, <laughs> you can look at you can look at running stats and various other things. Um but you know, tired players will still keep running, etc, but to to lose three late goals as they have, it's it's a tiredness of the mind as well as the legs, um, and you could see uh, the the red button coverage is weird because you have one camera, no replays, um, and you don't get any of the sort of usual extra angles you used to. So when that second goal went in, it just stayed focused on Schindler and Elphick, who were both down on their knees, and then it flicked up to midfield eventually for the kickoff. And the reaction from the town players was just they were they were absolutely out on the bombs, to be honest with you. There were a couple of them just flat out on the turf. And, you know, they, they rallied and Grant, it, it was a sharp chance that in the 93rd minute. Um, but that's one of them chances that when things are good and you're creating a lot, you know your striker bangs that in because he's you know he's red hot and he doesn't feel like every shot he takes is his potentially his only one in the game. Um, but yeah, I I do it. It just it feels like every game I've seen Town this season, um, which remarkably is all of them, <laughs> um, on the hour there are a couple of players as a minimum who are visibly breathing hard and one of the things that yan could be criticized for quite heavily was his his substitutions often you'd you'd have players who you, you could see were struggling and he he wouldn't sub them off he'd sub someone else off his his substitutions were all over the place um and it it's something hudson's got to work on because you know, un- under Wagner, one of the great sort of dictums was that the player, w- the players were super fit, and they pressed, and they harried, and they worked hard, and that was that was a minimum requirement. And you know, I d- unfit is a very strong word because compared to the likes of me and you, Stephen, these players are very, very fit, aren't they? Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. But you've got to be able to run and keep going and be mentally sharp for the whole 90 minutes and I just don't think town are there yet but uh, without wishing to make excuses or destroy my own argument or anything like that i do feel part of that is losing you know if you are, if you are winning if you win two or three on the bounce then suddenly you've got an extra 10% in your legs it's it's mm. just it's human nature almost isn't it
0: yeah i think motivation is as much a part of it well not motivation but as you say confidence is as much a part of it as 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 the the fatigue in the legs. You know, it's the extra yard that's in the head, and a part of it is as I've written about in, in the five conclusions, just to steal a point that that Hartrick's made on the the podcast before. Um, part of the problem is that the the players are starting well, They're st- and at the start of each half, you can see. There are players making runs into the box. Chalaber was getting forward even. Hoggy was making runs. Um, Pritchard, in the first half, sort of the first 25 minutes at least, was practically a strike partner for Carl and Grant. He was that close to him, which is what we kind of expected he would do. Um, And then as the game wore on, they were getting deeper and deeper and deeper. And part of that is... um, is, it's fitness, it's confidence, and it's tactical as well. It's the fact yeah. that how and I are leaving that gap at right back. Elphick's going across to cover. Hoggy's then going back into the back four to try and sort of plug those gaps, which means Pritchard's coming back into the to, to fill in for Hogg's role. And suddenly we're back to where we were before, which is you've got t- 10 players in town's own third. No out ball, and when they do get the ball, there's nothing on for them. Um, and it, it was no, as I say, it was notable, and I'm pretty sure that Hudson had instructed them that he didn't want to see that, and he wanted to have more options up front. But as the game went on, they just regressed back into those those old bad habits, and and eventually it's it cost them, unfortunately. So many times it looked as if Mbenza
2: was almost playing right back, yeah. and he looked really frustrated. I would say his body language was that of frustration as if to say it's meant to be me up there not flo. And I mean to be yeah. honest I think Flo's got a better probably got a better delivery on him. Um but it, you know and Benz is a winger at the end of the day he should be the one up there and it must be incredibly frustrating as you mentioned for Elfik as well. Um it was really interesting to see the see the the heat maps in that in that five conclusions piece um just to see how Elphick is actually getting dragged over and then as soon as you've got one player who's being dragged even slightly out of position on a consistent basis it just skews the whole system that you're trying to play Um, and you know that that's exactly what we saw and what we have seen this season I don't know what the quick fix to that is to be honest because the back four at the moment even though it was the one thing that we were relatively confident about going into this season given the quality that we've got in there it certainly doesn't pick itself. you know you, you drop hadadjani for someone more, well we've we've already offloaded tommy smith who you could consider as perhaps a bit more you know responsible in a positional sense um seems to be insistent on playing Congolo at left back which i really don't like because he gives the ball away far too much um yeah, and he doesn't it, show anything a, a going third forward of his
0: passes have gone astray this season
2: yeah, um he gave the ball away a couple of times on Wednesday night in, in very dangerous positions. And the problem is when he's playing those passes in field in towards the central midfielders, if they get nabbed, they're instantly, you know, bombing up the other end. Yeah. Um because, you know, they're picking it up on the halfway line or even closer to our goal. So, you know, that needs to stop. But then you've got Elphick and, and Schindler and I agree to an extent with what you said, Stephen, about Elphick. Now he now the the criticism that he's getting is is almost unnecessary, in my opinion. You can see that he's almost got a thankless task playing in that in that right centre back position because he's getting dragged over so much. And then you've got Schindler, who's basically covering two positions, um, which he he could do in that first promotion season um, <laughs> because he was literally Superman. Uh, but yeah, and then you've got Hogg, who's been dragged deeper, and I don't know. It, it just seemed like um, all these all these um pre-assumptions that we would you know just go back to having a nice 4231 structure under Hudson and I know he's only had a few days to work with the team possibly only a couple of training sessions really that those were out of the window and we started to see the same old problems again but he's not going to work miracles in a couple of days and not even sure that he's going to be the the option uh, long term for the club in fact I'm fairly sure he won't be so shouldn't read perhaps too much into that it's it's more worrying that the same individual areas are still there Um, because this is a squad that is full of lapses in concentration and and those can cost you games and that's exactly what happened. I mean, we we were getting pushed so deep there towards the last five minutes that it was just inevitable uh, that they were going to score. I thought Warnock... um, Warnock well, made some very wise substitutions. He saw that our left yeah. side was there to be exploited with a with a fresh pair of legs. And Hoylett comes on and we know he's got an eye for goal. And like I say, we just gave him that little bit of space and there we are once again coming away with zero points. Um so yeah, there's there's the same issues kept cropping up. It's
0: a it's a problem that David Wagner tried to solve by going three at the back because the way it's set up at the moment, it ends up being almost a three at the back anyway, as we've discussed. Um <sighs> I mean, I wonder if if that might be worth examining again. Uh, what
1: would you think, Dave? I, the, Well, I think it's worth examining again, but I, I'm not sure a 4 3 one is the way forward, really. It, it felt like Hudson wanted to go back and he was trying to sort of recapture something from Town's recent past. Mm-hmm. And I think this is a set of players that actually need something new. Need a new set of yeah. instructions. Um, it, it just felt like... My problem with four-two-three-one is that it's, it's obviously quite a containing formation, but the problem is with the way Town play it, Hogg becomes an issue because he plays so deep and, and basically splits the centre-backs that he drags the other midfielder back and suddenly you've got that huge gap in the centre that either the opposition exploit... Or if town do find a way to sort of get on top and control possession, there's still a huge gap up to your number 10. Um, it was, it was noticeable. There was a couple of times with the way it works on the red button with the one camera set up, it was noticeable a couple of times in the second half that when they did get ball to, the ball to Grant, he was literally the only Huddersfield Townshire on camera for a few seconds. Mm. And, they they've got to find a system that gets bodies forward. They've they've got to look at the personnel they've got. I think they can have a very good back three with Congolo on the left, Shinler in the middle, and Elthic on the right. But they, it, it's not you know three at the back is a system that you often play when things are good and you're attacking well and you're scoring lots of goals. Basically, three at the back is a system you often play when you're backing yourself because it does leave space down the sides that you have to control. But I just feel. I mean, I I wouldn't sit here and start banging the drum and say town need to play four four two or anything like that. But I just feel there needs to be some new thinking, some new instruction. Um, just give these players something else to think about, other than like a huge long list of instructions. They still look overcoached to me. You've still got players who I think don't quite know exactly what they're supposed to be doing, whether they stick or twist, and I think. Simplifying it a bit, give them something new to think about, and give them a little bit of freedom within the game to to make mistakes if necessary. could go a long way. The problem is at the moment you know every mistake is cost in town, and there's there's no freedom everybody you could see on Wednesday, noticeably I thought the the sort of angst on the pitch there was a lot of pointing, there was a lot of trying to trying to rally each other, but in the form of sort of almost shouting at each other from a foot away in the face and all that sort of thing. And there needs he needs to find a way to relax these players a bit more. Um, mm-hmm. And I don't think just sort of going back and trying to capture something that led to Town's greatest success is necessarily the path to do that because that yeah. brings a pressure from within itself. So I don't know if you go through at the back or I don't know if you try something else to be honest with you but I yeah I'm I'm not positive that 4231 is is going to work. The other side to this is 4231 one of the 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 big reasons that town used it so successfully was Aaron Moy. He was capable of, of playing the ball over distance so he could bring wingers into play. He could get yeah. the number 10 into play. He could even go direct to the striker if needed. So now Aaron Moy, and it's, it's noticeable how both wingers and Pritchard were having to come back into their own half to get the ball. And if you're, uh, you know, we could sit here and criticise Diakabi and Benza, Van Lepera, uh, you know, Pritchard when he's played on the wing. But the reality is town so far this season are struggling to get their wingers on the ball in areas where they can actually hurt teams they yeah. they don't get the ball in the final third where they can take a man on and whip that cross in and that's that's an issue and it I, i'm not making excuses for the for the forward line here but the the problem is with that forward line is they they just nobody's getting them on the ball where they can hurt teams i mean when they did that little spell You know, when the goal came in the second half, Town look a different team. But the problem is that sort of mentality and the fear kicks in and they just retreat further and further back. And the problem with 4-2-3-1 is it's almost the perfect formation to retreat back, you know, and and Mm. turn that four into a five and sometimes even a six at the back. So it's it's difficult. There are a lot of problems to solve. You, Oli talked about the issue with Elphick and I I couldn't agree more. It was something I've, I've spoken about before, and I just, you, you you know, it genuinely, Town fans, you could put Schindler on that side, and then suddenly you're going to be going, well, why is Schindler not playing very well? You know, a central defender just wants to do one job, and. Mm. You know, Elphick's having to do one and a half at the moment and it's not working and it is unbalancing the whole team. The whole team's retreating. The whole team's sitting too deep. Grant can't get on the ball in the box, which is, is, you know, I spoke on the last pod, Steve, about how well Town played when they had Jordan Rhodes, who was a player who couldn't do anything outside the box but just came alive as soon as the ball was pinged in there and just got goals. They need to do that with Grant. They need to find ways to do that with Grant passing it into his feet forty yards from goal is is not where he wants to be. It's not where he's effective. So yeah, there's there's big issues tactically to solve there, big issues. And it's mm. you know, if it's not gonna be Hudson, then it needs to be somebody else who can find ways to motivate these players individually and fit them into a system that that does remove a little bit of the fear and gives them a bit of freedom.
0: And I think it needs to be a manager who who, as you've alluded to, who comes in and almost says, like, just forget everything. Because part of the yeah. issue with Hudson is that he was there under Wagner as a player and then as a coach. And he was there under Seaver as first team coach. Um, and it needs a manager who's going to come in and be like, right, forget everything you know. Um, tell me about what your strengths are. Show me what your strengths are. And I'll come up with something around that. But I don't want, I don't want you doing what you've done before. I want you... Follow here's three jobs for each of you to do. what between one and three tasks for each of you to do? I just want you doing that don't worry about anything else't don't, don't worry about instruction you 've been given before. Just go out and do that and play and and it's that back to basics thing that mm. they need they just need to and this is the the sort of the the dichotomy that sort of the the stools they find themselves between is the short and long term thing which is they if they can get a manager who can do that asap and get them to be sort of good enough in the short term and then take them on to the next level later on that would be ideal but i i feel like with the that might if they have to choose one or the other then it has to be a manager who's going to get them good enough between now and well as soon as possible uh, and not worry about what style they're going to be playing this time next year, that's just they don't have the luxury of worrying about that at the moment. No,
2: I think we need we definitely we definitely need an appointment that's going to bring us stability and very soon. Because the the problem is you start looking at a situation where if the rock continues um, and we keep seeing the same mistakes and we keep conceding late goals, etc. Um, obviously, the fan base for, for the start is going to become even more disillusioned with what's going on. That's going to feed into to knocking the confidence of the players more, etc. But ultimately we could end up uh, with a situation where after 10 games we're on 5 points or something like that and we're basically almost dead and buried from that point we're then needing to string together a stretch of like 3 wins to get ourselves you know um, even remotely out of trouble which it it doesn't seem like we're very close to doing at the moment uh, to be honest so yeah we need an appointment that's going to get us points on the board as soon as possible and I think that's, I think the way you put it Stephen was, was bang on, we just need to be good enough in the short term uh, and then we can start to worry about some kind of long-term philosophy but i don't think it makes sense um to to go for a for an appointment where um you know it's a manager who for example uh, is fixated with the 433 i don't think it would make yeah. much sense to bring in somebody like that who comes in and says right we're going to play a 433 and the players sort of look at each other as if to say haven't we tried that already and it didn't work um, so i do think we need a manager who's who's kind of got a vision um and they've got a a way that they want their teams to play. Ultimately, I, I, I can see us going with an appointment that's kind of a, a manager who's going to keep balls out of the back of the net first, and then uh, yeah. we're going to worry about the front end. So that leads me to think it might be someone like a Karanka or, or a Houghton, but I don't think we're going to get Houghton. I don't think he'd come near us at the moment. Um, but someone of that mould, um, because as I said, we need we need the stability. We need it now because you know there's, there's no easy games in the Championship um, and with, with every defeat and with every weekend that we go without a win our situation becomes that little bit more perilous and the pressure just keeps piling and piling um, and yeah we just need that release valve at the moment because everything's inflating to a point when it's almost ready to burst um, but yeah I mean going back to the three-five-two, I think on paper it's possibly somehow both, both the best fit for the squad that we have but it also creates the most sort of Issues because I think looking at it from the back, yeah, it, it would be easy to say, let's play, you know, Congolo, Schindler, and Elphick in a back three, right? That's that sorted, that should work. Hadadjani can have a more natural position as a right wing back, you know, your left wing back. Is probably to be sorted, but you can maybe try Brock- Bockhorn or Jaden Brown in that position because if their positioning's been scrutinised from what we've seen so far, then they're going to have a little bit more leeway in that. And also, they can both bomb up and down the left side as we've seen before already. Um, but then also, like, how do you pick a balanced midfield three based on what we have at the moment? Um, mm-hmm. I, I don't know. I don't know what it is because I, I see. Okay, you can sit Hog at the base of that if you want you know that's fine but you need to make sure that he he basically covers the area that he's told to and doesn't drop any deeper and doesn't go on these lung-busting runs as we kind of saw it on Wednesday night out of nowhere which I absolutely hate to see because Hogg is terrible on the ball like he's he's just as guilty as any for giving the ball away um, and then you you can play Chalaber in there as well but again his role is more to be to be the anchor to be the to be the base of base of the midfield, um and then you're sort of looking at picking from Bakuna, O'Brien, um, you know, do you do you try and crowbar Pritchard into a into a midfield three and a three five two? I don't think personally that would work. Um so then do you go to a three, four, one, two? And then you're looking at the front two and thinking, okay, you can start um I mean, I'm assuming at this point that Mounier's is not part of the plans. Um, so you he's going, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, yeah, I'd assume so, and I think Wednesday night was an indication of that. So, okay, you're starting um, Callum Grant and Fraser Campbell up top. Where's the option off the bench? What happens if one of them gets injured? We literally don't have a backup at the moment unless you're going to start playing wingers as strikers. Um, and then, again, you know, on the wingers, you've got the problem of the fact that we have about five or six, none of them being <laughs> yeah. particularly good. Um, but they're all going to be pretty peed off about us playing a system yeah. where none of them can
0: play. And I think that's why they're not going to do it, yeah. genuinely. I, they, I don't think they will, purely for that reason, at least not under Hudson. Unless a manager comes in and the new manager comes in and says, no, they're all useless. There's no point playing any of them. I'm refusing. They wouldn't I, be far think... wrong with that, to be fair. I mean, yeah. I'm yet
2: to see. This is the thing is that I'm yet to see any of the wingers earn their spot. It doesn't feel like there's a. There's a winger at the moment who is you know, nailed on name on the team sheet. It's more like, oh, I suppose it'll probably be Rajivan and Benzer. You know what I mean? It, it, there's no inspiration mm. from that. There's no excitement. You know, I think people who were assuming that uh, Van La Parra was going to turn into, into Eden Hazard or Sadio Mane on, on Wednesday night were very quickly proven wrong. Uh, he was picking <laughs> up the ball on the halfway line and going back to what we've seen and that is him looking to offload the ball as quickly as possible or doing step-overs when he's 10 yards away from the fullback, rather than having a run at them. So I think that kind of dispels that myth for the time being. And then, you know, on that right side, you're looking at Mbenza or de Diakabe. Um, Diakabe being a bit more direct, in my opinion. You know, we've seen Mbenza's willingness to kind of track back and, uh, and to play as more of a right midfielder, um, possibly because he's, he's paired with Flo on that side. Um, but I liked what I saw from Diakabe in in spells when he came on. thought he looked like he, he just wanted to have a go. Uh, He wanted to have a run, Um, but again we've got. He actually
0: looked a lot more confident than he has done in previous games. Like Mm -hmm. we, I was a bit sarcastic about on the live blog, but the first thing he did was come on, take it forward, and actually take on a shot, which in his previous appearances he shied away from that. So I think he's obviously had a word.
1: But I I think it's worth making the point that wingers, like at all levels of football, are often a a weather vane for the rest of the team, yeah, because. Wingers are the the, players who are playing out wide. They are the players that you want to have the freedom to make mistakes because they're the players that are effectively loading the gun for the strikers, uh, you know, sort of 50, 60% of the time. And you want them to have the freedom to take a man on. And if they lose the ball, so be it. Just take him on again next time. And, you know, without wishing to defend them sort of individually. But again, they don't get the ball in good positions and there is no freedom from anyone in that team you know every time you you lose the ball there's a groan there's a point from hog um you know and it's it's all it's all an issue it's all you know every every single time it's oh no, and that just slowly ebbs away at a winger's confidence. The problem is with all of these wingers is you've never seen them at the point where they've won a couple of games on the bounce. Town are actually playing well. And, you know, they do feel confident and they are running with the ball and they are getting it in good positions and they are getting more than, you know, three chances to put a decent cross in. And, it, I, I, you know, I like Diakabi. I think there's a player there. And Benzer, I think, is is really raw, really raw. But, again, there could be a player there. I don't think Pritchard works as a winger. And Van La Parra, you know, I think the Championship is his level and he's got a job to do. But again, I just, I find it difficult just to sort of criticise them outright when it's, it's it, I come back to the same thing like it's it's Mounier last year up front when he was getting a lot of criticism for not scoring but nobody was creating for him he wasn't getting any chances he wasn't getting on the ball in any sort of area where he, he could score so it's, I don't know it, it, again, it just comes back to the same thing with Town they've just got to find a way to get a win and just improve the mood. We can sit here and talk about tactics and systems and individuals and managers and you know long-term goals and everything. The the reality is for this club right now they just have to find a win. And once they've found that win, they have to find another. That's that's all it comes down to and it's not it's not easy, but there are fixtures coming up which I would suggest town can look at and try and target. So yeah we'll see but I I'm sort of loath to just write the wingers off as as is because I do think uh, like I say they they if you you got two or three wins under your belt you may find at least one of them suddenly becomes a different player yeah that's what we're
2: hoping for I mean uh, as you mentioned earlier as well I don't think the wingers have been receiving it receiving them all in positions where you know they've been able to have a um, an isolated run at their full back and they've been able to, you know, take the ball to the byline, or they've been able to look for that early. Crop. What it seems like at the moment is the wingers are getting the ball sort of forty, fifty yards from goal, they're having to try and carry it sort of twenty yards down the down the touchline, and then just whipping a ball any way that they can towards a very isolated Callum Grant, and that mm-hmm. is just not gonna not gonna work against
1: to whip that ball in. They've usually got to get past two midfielders and a full back yeah, and you know that's mm. the the best wingers in the world can't do that every single time but the best wingers in the world get the chance to do that seven eight nine times in a game when you have to do that only and you only get the chance to do that maybe three times it's incredibly tough incredibly tough particularly when you've got young players who you know mentally let's be honest they are slightly more fragile at a younger age and it's it's a tough situation. It's a tough situation, and the thing is, I reckon if you went and watched them genuinely, I reckon if you went and watched them in two or three training sessions, stood at the at the touchline, you would you'd see completely different players. You know where the pressure's off and where they're enjoying being on the ball, and I I genuinely think you'd be absolutely amazed. What were they like in the summer, Steve?
0: Dear Carby was all right, but doing what Diakabi does. Um, he would, he would you know, look good on the ball at times and do the thing we've seen him do several times this season, which is blaze past a couple of players. But then there's other times where he'll just literally just run the ball out for a throw-in under no pressure. Um, <clears throat> the rest of them, Van Lepera had half a good game against Donny, but he was doing nothing until the moment he scored. Um, which, in fairness, was a good goal, but he didn't really offer anything until then. And Benza barely played at all because he was on international duty, so he had a late start. Um, phew, Kachunga, we already know what he's about. He did nothing that you wouldn't expect him to do, and he's he's limited. Um, I mean, he always tries his heart out, and, and he's, you know, all of that stuff, but he is limited. Phew, quite a nothing. Uh, and, Pri- and Pritchard was... Pritchard was the other winger, um, who I think was was the. I know everyone criticizes, and 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 I know Dave, you're not a fan of playing Pritchard on the wing, but at least you you know you're going to get a certain level out of him, um, and that he would do the work off the ball and try and get that high press going. So, as you say, they're kind of a they're kind of a bellwether for the rest of the team. That they're, they the, whenever you do, I mean, just to to tell the fans something i probably shouldn't say player ratings are a load of rubbish <laughs> because when you're writing player ratings the very nature of it is that because you're trying to find something to say about every player and you're writing it down you're barely watching the game but but wingers notoriously you, you either give them a four or you give them a seven or an eight because it's just how they are they're either in the game or they're not and at the moment for town they're just not um so
2: I think Kachunga's an interesting case study in a way though, because you go back to that twenty sixteen, seventeen promotion season, obviously we were in the championship and he was literally our well, he was one of our most he was probably our most important forward player that season, you know. He scored thirteen league goals, um, Wells had ten. Um but now, you know, now we're back at this level, the level that he dominated two, three years ago. He's he's just nowhere near. There's, there's no, there's not even a question of him getting into the starting lineup at the moment, and that, that should be quite scary in terms of the effect that, that two years of that kind of football can have on a player. You know, for me, he, him along with Tommy Smith should have been those kind of players where we're having a look, thinking, well, they've done it before. You know, we know that we can trust them. Um, but no, he's just not, he's not getting a sniff. How much of, how much of his ability has been damaged by that? That's obviously that long-term injury that he had and then being out again shortly after coming back um i don't know and whether that's completely wrecked his confidence and his ability as a player n- not entirely sure but i just i just find it very strange that there we have a player who has been so important to us in our recent history and we've got a bunch of options that seem to seem to be offering nothing and and he can't get a
1: game i think Kuchunga, though i, I mentioned the sliding doors moment of the miss against Arby for in the context of, of town season so far. But that also feels like a bit of a sliding doors moment for him. I mean, the problem was when that chance came across to him, it, it, he's got a clear... He can do anything he wants at that point. And what he chooses, because his confidence is rock bottom, is to try and take the maker's name off the ball and just hit it as hard as he possibly can. And that's that's a player whose confidence is... You know, not at zero, but is is right now, and that's that's the problem with so many of Town's forward options. And the only way you can cure that is by getting them on the ball and giving them opportunities, because they will. The more they're on the ball, the the better they'll be. You know, the more opportunities you create, the more you'll score. The more the confidence builds. But that's I I do think it's Town's biggest problem at the moment is that the, the just however they play up front, whether it's a two or three, or four, um, however they play their number 10, whether it's slightly deeper or it's, like you say, Steve, or virtually a second striker in the first half mm. on Wednesday, they've got to find ways to get them on on the ball and in areas that can hurt them. And if we don't know who the next manager is going to be, but if it's... if, if if Town went with Hudson, for instance, say they, they get a win against Reading and they get someone at something next week, it's uh, Luton next week, isn't it, I think? Yeah. yeah, um, Reading, say, yeah. They, say they got four points from the next couple and they do want to give it to Hudson. My worry still remains, you know, that I spoke about in the last podcast, Steve, that going trying something that's been tried before, you know, is, is not what this team needs. But, yeah, we'll see. We'll
0: see. Speaking of next manager then, do you think that, Dave, that um, that Town would be attractive to a good manager or do you think a good manager would avoid this team with a barge pole?
1: No, I, I think a good manager looks at this squad. There's 90 million quid's worth of talent there. They're on an absolute sort of zero point at the moment, so the only way is up you only have to affect them quite sort of minimally in the short term to make quite a big impact and i i genuinely think that you can look at this squad and you can look at how much raw talent there is and how much potential there is over actual sort of proven quality and you can spin that into a positive i i still think it's a very attractive job it's it comes with i know we're, we're Talking after a manager has been sacked after what is a relatively short space of time, but it's still a job in the wider sense that comes with a, an idea of longevity if that's what the manager is after. But also, I, I, I think that you've just been relegated from the Premier League, you've still got a lot of talent in this squad. There is a first 11 and a system that gets something out of this squad of players. There absolutely, definitely is. And a good manager will find it. Steve, you mentioned the name Jukanovic on the last pod. Mm. He would come in and he would imme- make an immediate impact and he would get a tune out of individual players and out of a system... But he would be incredibly expensive. Shame he's on about five hundred
2: grand a week in
1: Qatar, Qatar or wherever yeah. he is at the moment. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, it's not could, Chris Houghton could come in to this squad, and they've already got a sound defensive base. I mean, for all the for all the trauma of the season so far, you've still only lost two one to to Fulham, who absolutely ruined Millwall the other night. Um, still only lost 2-1 two, two on to Derby, who will be there or thereabouts the end of the season. You know, nobody's come an absolutely thump town. So the defensive base is there, it just needs balancing and working on properly and he would be able to do that. It's It's still a decent job, it's still a good opportunity and... It's not it, when when Sunderland were going down. It was fairly obvious to everyone immediately that Sunderland had four anchors tied to them, and it was nothing to do with the players or the manager. It was it, the whole club was going backwards, you know, off the pitch and on the pitch. Town are nowhere near that point yet, you know, absolutely nowhere near that point. And yeah, it, it it's I would I I mentioned the Cowley brothers on the last podcast. They would be an incredible get, but. It's 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 time to either go with somebody who's really progressive but has a track record, or just somebody with a track record. You know, um, yeah. But yeah, I I do think. What's your opinion, Steve? Do you think they could get a big big sort of a big bigger name, shall we say?
0: Uh I think if they, I think. Oh man, it's a difficult question. I think. I agree with you that it would be an attractive prospect. I don't think they're going to get anyone who is who would even think for a second they could get a Premier League job, um, which to me might rule Chris Heaton out of the equation because why would you come to try and turn around a team at the bottom of the table when mm. you, could wait, you could either wait for the next Premier League job for a manager who's, you know, for a team that needs a steady pair of hands till the end of the season, or you wait to replace if they get someone from the top end of the championship you go and replace them instead um, but I agree that there's a lot there but uh, that that could be attractive but I think it either needs to be someone from League 1 or League 2 um, if if they're in a job or someone who's not in work at the moment which does Limit the field a little bit. I might be mistaken on that, though. The, the The issue is is that we're we're throwing these names around, but to be honest, we are as in the dark as anyone else at the moment because the the we've been told that the the bookies list is pure speculation. It is entirely speculation because they've not started interviewing people for the job yet, uh, as far as we're aware. We recorded on Friday because um, and, and that's I think is down to the fact that David Webb started on Monday. He spent. All day Monday, just going around, introduced himself to people. And you know, then Tuesday, he went around having meetings with everyone, talking about what are the issues at the club, trying to get an idea of what his job is. And I suspect that then he spent the last couple of days um, watching the team, training and playing on Wednesday. And then probably Thursday, Friday, he's been in meetings, trying to come up with the shortlist for the manager, which means that they're not going to be interviewing until next week. Uh, and then maybe looking at getting someone in, ahead of the international break but that's that's speculation on my part i know monday tuesday i'm definitely right on um we've had that confirmed but for the rest of the week uh we're not sure and they'll probably be doing the interviews early next week yeah
2: i i I pretty much agree with you two i i do sort of still the, the cynic in me thinks there's nobody who's kind of an established name um who's going to take a look at us and think yeah i'm going to have a, i'm going to take a risk here i'm going to go and try and get them out of the out of the gutter um so that for me also rules out chris hute i think his stock's a little bit too high for us at the moment i think um if there's a there's a team you know in a, in a few weeks that thinks they should be challenging up up the top end of the uh of the championship and and aren't, and they pull the trigger and he sees something that's more of a project he's probably going to probably going to go for that um but yeah i mean the, the market's interesting at the moment there's 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 no standout name basically there's no there's nobody who's odds on or anything there's been various favorites i mean since parkinson left bolton he's shot up now uh, in the odds but i you know <laughs> i don't see that as realistic given he's already turned us down once um and you've got names in there <laughs> take the job
0: and then take it and then turn it down
2: yeah exactly yeah turn around on the motorway again um but just like you know, the same price you could get Nigel Adkins, who is an interesting name, um, given you know the fact that he's actually out of a job at the moment, and he's got links with a few of the figures at town at the moment. Um, at the same price for Adkins, you, you've got also Sebastian Hones, who's um, Bayern's under whatever it is Bayern's second team coach. So it's like, would we really go down that route again? You know, would we would we really take a gamble on another young kind of unproven? Um, German manager who and hope that we you know we we get lucky in the same way that we did with Wagner and then all the other names in there that just don't really inspire but i again i don't I don't think we're gonna be able to attract a big big name, so that's why we should focus on making sure that it's um it's a manager that's gonna come in with a set style um and they're gonna be able to get the best out of this group of players both in the short term and then uh d- developers moving forward and get get us up the right end of the table um but yeah i I think the timeline that you you pointed out would probably be be about right i think we'll be talking to people next week and the international break seems to be the 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 time period that that things are gravitating towards now get someone in and give them two weeks to work with the squad um, ahead of what is a, a, a run of fixtures that we should be looking to to target definitely and it Interestingly, the the new manager's first game could be a bit of a baptism of fire in that Sheffield Wednesday at home, who have had a decent start to the season. Um, so that would be interesting to see if we could we could get a response against them. Um, but yeah, I suppose we shouldn't entirely rule out the the prospect of us um, of us beating Reading and and maybe even beating Luton, who have started to struggle after that exciting game against Middlesbrough to open the season. Um, If we were to beat both of those, then do you have to take a look at Hudson and say, okay, he's actually getting more out of this group of players now than somebody else would who'd who'd want to rip up the plans and and start again? Um, So I guess just watch this space, really. Um, I'm sure a name will will come out of, of. Well, it might come out of nowhere, it might be one of the ones that's sort of shortlisted at the moment um, with the bookmakers and that kind of thing, but sure a a more concrete name will emerge within the next week um, in terms of who we're looking for and and who's impressed in the interviews and that kind of thing, so yeah, I guess we'll see, but um, there's nobody at the moment, apart from of course Gennaro Gattuso, he is absolutely the man to (laughs) to take us into the top six.
0: but I genuinely... We should probably point out that you run a, an AC Milan fan site, don't you, Ali?
2: Um, yeah, I think, you know, that mentioning that with a bit more context uh, would have been helpful because now I look incredibly biased. Um, perhaps mentioning that in the intro, people might have forgotten about it by now. But, um, but yeah, I genuinely think, I'm, I'm being deadly serious here for a second. I think, I don't think we get him, but I think we should be reaching out to him you know i it, there was he was linked with the newcastle job when he when he left milan um i think that's probably about the level of job that he's going to get be it uh i don't think i don't think it'll be in england but it might be in france um might be somewhere in italy again who knows but genuinely just give him a call i mean he he took a very very young group of players um one, well guided them to fifth place one point off the champions league uh, finishing behind teams that are a lot further ahead in their, you know, quote-unquote project, um, managed to unite a group of players and he had them had them play in a set system, which unfortunately was 4-3-3, but he did show uh, ability to adapt um, and that kind of thing, towards the end of the season especially, um, and ultimately he's just a really, really lovable bloke, so yeah, so in for me.
0: Yeah, it's an interesting idea, uh, perhaps is is one to look at. Um right, well, I think that's us for today, so thank you for joining us on Utobia and uh that goes to both the listeners and to the two of you, David and Ollie. A pleasure as always to have you on and uh yeah, we'll be back with you next week when hopefully town have some more points on the board, but until next time, goodbye.
1: Utabia, Utabia.